as a leader, I lead myself in ways that's like, if I don't do it, I know I'm going to fail my team. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Block, the building, learning, and organizational culture podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Kirby, and on today's episode, we're celebrating International Women's History Month with my new friend, Alexandra Smith, talking all about what it's like to be a woman leader in L&D. Hey, Alexandra, how are you? Hey, Heidi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So let's just jump right in. I'll just start by asking you to tell me a little bit about your career path and how you ended up where you are today. Sure. I am so excited. Thank you for having me on the block. I'm pumped to be here. Um, I guess let's get into it. My origin story, if you will. So I started my career in um, basically as an admin at an EPC company about, uh, gosh, I graduated college in 2011 from U of H, immediately got that job, saw that there was an L&D department. I was like, wow, what do they do? And I was the admin, you know, bringing coffee, bringing snacks. And I was like, I want to be in this more. Really paved my own way and just started doing more and more and more as an admin and um, actually moved into, they opened a role for me in in L&D in construction. And I ended up being the one instructor designer, if you will, for that whole team. And it was a global, it like reached globally. So it was super awesome. And my material reached different places like in Africa and um, Australia. So it's pretty awesome. Um, And then shortly after that, well, like about five years into that, I really, you know, my knowledge grew, my skill set grew, and I got an opportunity to work at a company called Aspect Security, and it changed my life. I found that I was really good with technically savvy people (laughs) in the technology space. And learning development and meshing those together and understanding the human aspect behind like the tech space is something that is my jam. And I got into shortly after we got acquired by EY. And so now I have that good, cool stamp of, hey, you went to the big four. <laughs> so that's on my, yeah. on my um, resume. And then we are now here at Deep Watch, where I work now, and I was um, sought out by one of our awesome recruiters, Kristen, who's amazing, and when I saw the role, I was like, holy moly, this is for me. It's everything I love to do, everything I wanted to do, and now I am the manager here at Deep Watch. It's amazing, <laughs> and Yay! I love Awesome. Well, the reason I asked you here today was specifically to talk about women leadership in L&D based on a couple of different people requesting more of this topic and the fact that this will launch in March, which is Women's History Month, right? Yes, I know. I'm so honored. Thank you. Girl power. (laughs) So I want to ask you a super broad question first and just ask, what has it been like being a woman leader in L&D? So I would say um, being a woman in L&D is super awesome. Um, Education, I feel, is one of the few industries where women are really better represented in leadership positions and roles. Um, It can't happen alone. I didn't do this alone. I'm very blessed to have an awesome 
boss slash mentor, um, Jen Swenson. She's our CPO here at DeepWatch. And without her guidance, I would really be nowhere. Not that she is an L&D expert, but she is an expert at leadership. And it helps me to lead my team and lead my function to the highest priorities that I do, just like she does for the business. And so I align that way. And I feel that that has been my success is caring about my L&D function and my team just as much as you know, the high of leadership team cares about the entire company. Because if I don't align with what my company does, then what am I doing? So it's important. And the fact that my boss, you know, has my back is a hundred percent. Like, you know, you'd think, well, that's, that's um, so easy, but we don't have it so easy all the time and we don't have great direction. And I'm very, very blessed to have good direction and, Hey, you know, your stuff like, okay, I trust you do it. In addition to that, um, she and another uh, great woman at my work, um, Carolyn, they launched a women's group at our work. Nice. And it's, yeah, it's awesome. And so it was our first affinity group and it's really championed, you know, by our leadership team, by managers. So everybody, you know, joins and understands that it's a place you can feel valued, you know, if you're a woman or identify as a woman and it's an awesome place to connect and that in the tech space, it's so important because, you know, women are, are lack and yeah, it's just great that they care so much about this because it aligns to what I want. And I would say that yeah. to anybody, like wherever you choose to work or if, you know, your core values don't align with your company's core values, then you need to move on. And here, my core values align with the company I work for. And so it's just like a perfect you know, recipe for success. Yeah. No, I think that's great because one of the things you can do as a job seeker is, you know, like I would say like it has to be like 90% of organizations have some sort of leadership page where they have names and photos and sometimes even LinkedIn profiles of Mm -hmm. all their kind of VP to C-suite level leaders you can really easily just look at the organization you're interviewing for and like, see like are females represented in the top levels of this org or not. And do you want to be part of, you know, paving the way and trying to be one of those leaders or would you rather be surrounded by other, you know, powerful females to help kind of like build you up in your role? So, I mean, that's more of a personal decision, but you know, I think it's, as a job seeker, it's really important to find those types of things out if that's what you care about. Yes, 100%. It's it's so important to me, like realizing as I grew in my career that who can who will champion you and who you will champion back to create that like perfect relationship um, and to cut those out if it doesn't align with your vision for your career or the vision of whatever company you're working at. Um, it's yeah, absolutely. And I I had a very similar experience to you. My first corporate ID job, I had a wonderful manager and we're still friends today. Shout out to LaToya if she's listening to this. Hey, um, and she was just so, you know, supportive and helpful and like like I just feel like she's the type of person that just has like um <laughs> 
So the quote that's coming to my mind is from the cake song, short skirt, long jacket. She uses a machete to cut through red tape. Like (laughs) that's the only thing I can think of. So, um, but yeah, like she just like removes obstacles. Right. And that was like her biggest thing as a team team member. And the other thing is like, she hated when I would like say she was my boss or, you know, something like that. Or like, if I would like, jokingly call her like okay boss or whatever you know she would be like I'm not your boss I'm your teammate like she very much wanted to not focus on like the hierarchy so Mm -hmm. and then after that um, I had another amazing boss Jen who really helped me and both of them have been on the podcast too by the way Um, and she really helped me. And like, when I came in, she was like, you know, my goal is for you to someday take my job when I move up. Mm -hmm. And like, just to have that be the conversation from the very beginning is so encouraging, you know? It really is. And I'll say, you know, so when you think about the student teacher dynamic and what we were taught about leadership, it's I'm the teacher, you do the assignment. And the student would say, but why? And the teacher, because I said so. This is the mindset that a lot of workforce has when they come on board um, to a new company. But I will say that it's really changed where I work from, you know, my boss, shout out to Jen, is she really takes this people first approach. And that's how the culture is that, you know, my job. And I feel that that is so important because if we can't, you know, set the expectations up for the culture of, you know, my, of the company, then how can I set it up for my department? Yes. Yes. I love that. I think that's so important. So then that's a good segue to how, how is leading remotely as a female L&D leader? It's awesome. I will say, um, you know, a high functioning learning culture and leadership. Um, we really can't thrive in a management culture, which is why like mm. great segue. It's a leadership culture, <laughs> you know, um, people first and a learning culture. Um, like how do we lead? Um, how do we ask like all these things, you know, that we can read in like books or theories or articles. Most of this stuff was published pre-pandemic. And so it is not the same as, you know, our world now, Um, you know, like do any of these best quote practices, you know, out there um, deal with our like today's modern workforce in the quote pandemic climate, if you will. Um, They really don't. Um, I think leadership is a lot simpler than just, you know, modules, theories, or progress steps, it's reinforcement um, for, is my big thing, like the silent R in LD, I guess, is, you know, as a learning leader, like studying human behavior, learning trends, and um, generational learning scopes, and, you know, getting ready because, you know, I'm a, let's say, vintage millennial, if you will. And so, you know, we're all hitting those leadership roles now in our careers. <laughs> and, you know, jokes, jokes aside, like, it's how, you know, do we prepare ourselves and the next yeah. generations for these leadership roles if we ourselves are not leading for the modern workforce, you know, in the Zoom world, in this remote world? You know, yeah, we're remote. You know, I like to say I have the street cred of being remote before it was cool. But nice. but, but still, you know, it's very fresh to a lot. You know, we yeah. run an amazing new orientation here. And I ask in every new orientation in the beginning when I set up my netiquette, which is Zoom etiquette, um, <laughs> is, is who here has 
work remote pre-pandemic. And I wait to see, you know, who will raise their hand. And Heidi, it's not many. And so I believe you know, it. we're all in this together. <laughs> it's not many. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. And I don't want to jump too far down like a specific rabbit hole of onboarding, but like <laughs> seriously, as an L and D leadership, like we sh- like an L and D leader, we should be pretty together when it comes to onboarding, right? Like we should be not only having an awesome plan for our organization, but like for our teams. Right. And so I think realizing that and knowing that like not, not everyone has worked remotely and, you know, a lot of what I've seen in kind of like the back and forth about should remote stick around or should it Mm -hmm. go away is like this idea that the people who want to go back into the office do so because they don't trust that people are working when they're remote. Mm -hmm. And so I think trust is going to, it's already become such an important modern leadership competency. I think that like grows exponentially when you're talking working remotely because you can't walk into somebody's cubicle and watch what they're doing over their shoulder anymore. And I think that that's wonderful. I really do. Awesome. We're cutting out the, what is that? The micromanaging. Yes. Yes. And I feel like. to micro learning. No to micromanaging. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I feel like the micromanagers are going to start to kind of, you know, either just not be successful or just find, find other areas to, to work in because it's really not like you can't, you can't live that life and be a remote well, leader, you know, it's, you really can't. And, you know, I feel that cause I've done both, you know, been a hundred percent in an office and then a hundred percent remote. And I, I get a lot more done, you know, at work and I feel I will, you know, overwork sometimes because it's just here, you know, but also mm-hmm. as a leader, I lead myself in ways that's like, if I don't do it, I know I'm going to fail my team. And yes. so for me, like having that desire in me to hit my, you know, hit, hit what I'm supposed to hit and knock everything out of the park. Um, like if I don't do it, it's obvious, you know, like if you're yeah. at an office, you could be on, who knows, I don't know, face place all day or something. And like nobody would know, but like in your remote, like people know if you're not doing anything because say, okay, well, like where's, you have nothing to produce. Like, exactly. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, about onboarding is so, so, so important. And so back in early in my career, I, when I was an admin, um, they did a, it was not a great onboarding, but it's just, you know, here's your desk, here's your papers, here's somebody you can talk to if you have questions and here's sticky notes. Right. And so I quickly developed this onboarding quote buddy program. And so it was when the admins came on, they would have somebody to look to as a peer, you know, for guidance if they needed anything. And when I came to Deepwatch, I really thought back to that project. And I was like, if I was very new at a remote company, first day logging on my computer, how would I want to be treated? I think of this as if we were, and I take like myself out of my house. And I'm like, if we were in a hotel ballroom, like all meeting together, you know, okay. for a two day meeting, like how much effort would I put into that? And so I put the same amount of effort into our online, you know, onboarding. Wow. I kid you not. I have people that have worked at big floors, 
other big cyber and tech companies and, you know, people that are, have very high level titles say, Alex, I have never had an onboarding like that in my life. Like it's amazing because what I do is I know our business. So I tie in the business of DeepWatch, our core values, what we do to get everybody excited because I'm the first we're the first team people see like when they onboard after recruiters. And so it's important that we literally roll out the red carpet and greet people because I know for me, you know, I don't want to be somewhere where I'm not appreciated and, you know, showing appreciation for people when they onboard and start and taking the time with them to just even chat and learn about the company and get to know each other. We would be doing that if we were in an office together, having coffee, having chit chat. And so I just really try to mirror like that experience being in person and being remote and trying to mirror it as best I can. I and like it. Successful. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So kind of on that note, um, because I think that, you know, in L and D we have this unique, you know, position where we can actually influence the culture of our organization through mm. learning or through whatever, um, but I want to read you a fun statistic that I have yes. today and get your thoughts on it. Um, it says, in fact, as of 2018, over half of the United States is female with women earning 57% of undergrad degrees and 59% of master's degrees, but yet women hold less than half the leadership positions in the United States. And among the world's largest 500 companies, only 10% of senior executives are women. Interesting. So more highly educated, but less than half of the leadership positions. That said, what are some ways that you feel L&D, and specifically female leaders within L&D, can kind of set the pace or influence the learning culture or the organizational culture towards more female leaders? Yeah, so that's a really good one. So this actually brings me to the silent B in L&D, which is belonging. Um, It's so, so important. Um, I really say to like, L&D, you're culture setters. You know, you set the stage. It's really going above and beyond my task role, I will say, to be successful in that way. And it takes a lot of Mm. effort. We do lunch and learns, or we do a coffee chat, fun breakout games sometimes. And if I, we don't make the effort, you know, to do that, then it wouldn't get done. And I'm so proud that I'm backed by leadership that allowed my female amazing boss that, you know, that backs me to do this awesome stuff. Because without her leadership and guidance, I would be nowhere. It's important, you know, like I wouldn't be successful if top management didn't trust and believe in me. For sure. And then L&D has uniquely allowed you a place in your organization to be like a, a spokesperson, right? Like you're the first person people meet and you're doing these lunch and learns and you're facilitating these different things as the representative woman leader from L&D, right? So that's awesome. It is awesome. And thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one other thing I would definitely wanted to talk about um, that we had kind of chatted about before we did this recording was the fact that um, I'm pursuing my PhD. Now, 
when I started my PhD in instructional design and technology, I was not planning to be in leadership. I was just, a PhD was a personal goal of mine. And I thought that if I was going to move into ID, that that was somewhere that I wanted to focus my energy. But then pretty quickly, once I decided I wanted to become a leader in the space, I felt obligated as a woman to have that credential so that people couldn't question my kind of credibility, right? Yeah. We call that street cred. Um, it's <laughs> so, it, you don't get a certification or a, you know, higher level degree if you don't personally believe that it would benefit you. You know, like, yeah. don't, don't do it. Like, I would give this advice, like, don't do it if you think it is what people want. You do it if you think it'll help you get to the next level of your goals. Um, for me, like certifications, I I did along the lines. In 2019, I got my like I instructional designer um, cert just because like, hey, I want to get better at it. Yeah. And I was already in the mix. And then, you know, as a leader, I went and got my CPTM. I'm like, well, I'm a leader, but I don't know everything. I can keep learning. So, yeah. you know, I got my CPTM and it's that, oh my gosh, has catapulted me so much. I would give advice if you can, you know, Go get your CPTM or, um, you know, the ATD cert. There's the knowledge there is so, so, so critical. It's not even about having letters behind my name. It's about everything I learned. So it's like, what do you think you will get out of it um, in order to, you know, best move your career to the next level? Because there's so much in learning development you can do in leadership. And, you know, when you get to leadership roles, it's important. You know, we understand the scope of L&D. I think that as a woman in leadership and those wanting to be in leadership, you have got to stand out for yourself and not clump yourself in with everybody else out there. I see this on LinkedIn and, you know, people clump themselves in and it's messy and it's not great for, um, you know, people in the future, people do look up your LinkedIn, they do look up stuff for you. And I'll stay to stay on course is just to really stay true to your goals and stay true to who you are as a leader and use that as your compass. For sure. And in a in a industry, L&D specifically, I, I found an article and I know you found a similar one mm -hmm. that says with Entry-level positions in L&D, 67% of those roles are female. At that level, we are a female-dominated industry, right? I mean, think about the other IDs and, you know, L&D people, you know, like the vast majority of them are women, right? Yeah. But at the leadership level, the ratio entirely flips. And 69% of leaders, leaders in L&D are male. It does. I, I also believe that us as women need to advocate for ourselves a lot more in the leadership space. And if you don't, who's going to do it for you? Um, even I'll say with my boss, she cannot read my mind. And so if I want something, I we discuss it and we talk about it. Um, I will say being a forthright is like and having those difficult conversations, if, you know, they can be difficult for some, is so, so, so important to get over, to bump yourself up into leadership, because if you can't have those and do that, then you've already failed. And 
it's so, so, so important to, I'm not like, just advocate for yourself and say what you want and not clump yourself in and see those roles out there and say, oh, well, I'm not going to apply because I don't have a hundred percent of everything. No, go for it. You know, and this was my first, you know, leadership position here and it just aligned with where I was and aligned with what they needed at the time and it worked out. And so I would say just, you know, I don't know, just, just don't, don't, don't self-reject is like my biggest Mm. advice is not to self-reject. And if you want to be in leadership, advocate for it and say it because people will not know unless you say it. And we're not going to know how awesome you are unless you tell us. (laughs) That's so true. I feel like my career really took a great turn when I started being super honest, like in the interview phase, yeah. even though I was applying for an ID job, I was like, someday I want to lead an L&D function. Like that's where I see myself. And when I started doing that, the positions that I ended up in were so much better and actually led me to that as opposed to like the other things where I was like, well, I'll tell them once I start, which then becomes... Well, I'll tell them once we make the professional development plan and then no PD plans made. And then it's like, well, I, well, oh, look, this position's open on the team. Let me apply for it. And they're like, why are you applying for this? You never told us you wanted to be a leader. And now that chance is gone. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, I think a lot of times it's easier said than done to learn how to have those difficult conversations and advocate for yourself and be assertive because, you know, either it's because women have a way smaller margin to fail in the workplace Mm -hmm. than men do, you know, or that, you know, you're going to get called four letter words if you are assertive, where that (laughs) doesn't always happen with men. Right. And so, one thing that really kind of like changed my attitude was a TikTok video, of course, because that's, <laughs> that's where I live now, right? Like, <laughs> yes. And I'm a vintage millennial who loves TikTok. So, yes. but it was this gal who was like, listen, start living your life under the pretense that no one has a problem with you unless they tell you. And like that really hit home for me because I'm always anticipating that people are going to feel some type of way about what I say or what I do. And I'm always like trying to pre-plan everything I say and do based on that. And then it's like, well, if that, you know, or this person seems upset or angry or X at me, right? Like Mm -hmm. stop assuming that people feel some type of way about you unless they tell you. Yes. And that I will say also is advice I've gotten from senior leadership. And it's so, so, so important, you know, to not worry about the small stuff or if you think somebody is, I don't know, in one way, like be honest, you know, and it is change. It took me 39 years to get here to be, to, to tell, you know, and be forthright. And it is, has opened my career up just because I ask for what I want. And it's important that we do. Totally. So I have one last question for you. And it's the same question I ask all my guests. What is one resource that you would suggest women in L&D or women who aspire to be or already are leaders in L&D consume and why? 
great resources that I use that I would suggest for anybody. Um, a couple people I personally follow on LinkedIn is Cassie Labori, Elliot Macy, you of course. <laughs> um, I would say also that if you can't to really start researching um, L&D conferences, when I, the first year I went to DevLearn, oh my gosh, Heidi, like that is when my career I feel took off because I was in a room with learning leaders and like, you know, people that had the same mind frame as you and people that loved L&D and it was so overwhelmingly awesome. And if you can make it to that, go. And there it's finally back in person this year. So woohoo. Yay. You in Vegas. Um, yes. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Um, I would also, I really love the Training Institute. They're an awesome, awesome, awesome um, organization. And they post um, really amazing articles and webs and posts and courses you can, you know, pay for. I have my CPTM through them. I would also advise um, for any woman leader to write for them because you can. And start getting your, you know, start getting published. I did. And I just, on a whim, you know, I, like I said earlier, don't self-reject, just do it. You know, I, I would also say, you know, attending, you know, conferences like TICE, I, um, which is part of the training institutes, um, it's one of their conferences and really put out there your words and put out there, you know, your articles, don't just read them, like be one that's going to get read, <laughs> like yeah. Be one that's gonna get read, and you know, don't self-reject and do it. I was shocked when I got, you know, picked, and you know, anyways. But and it's important too to stay on top of industry trends and connect to these other yeah. learning leaders. Um, read their posts, go through job recs, I would say, and like look at them and see, you know, what job do I want? What is important? What skill set do I need? Um, for you know, whatever company it is, just look through them and see and read. Um, and st- and really stay true to you, your core values and everything that aligns with yours and align everything that I just said, if it aligns, you know, with, with what you do. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No, the pleasure's all mine. You're amazing. Happy Women's Month. I'm Yes. Thanks again for joining me on the blog. If you enjoyed this episode, Please share it with friends and review us on your favorite podcast platform. I hope you'll tune in again soon.